Yeah, you're recording. You're just trying to make me say something stupid again. Not necessarily stupid, just, I don't know, just interesting to start off the show with something crazy, which we may get anyway because Kaylin is sitting on my lap as my wife takes a shower, and as soon as she's out of the shower, she will grab the baby who is currently trying to grab the microphone, so apologies if... uh, you are acting up. She's she's being terrible. She's being very bad. Um, it is seven fifty-two on Tuesday. Information that I continue to give you that you do not need. This is bantering the blue shirts, Mike. This is our ninety-ninth <laughs> episode. Wow, we're one away from the big boy, the big one hundo. Ninety-nine. So that's a thing. I've been here for um, like ninety-six of them. I would say I've been on. 97 of them. I missed two shows when she was born. I think you've probably been for 95 or so. So you're, uh, you and me are just, uh, we're living this up right now. Um, some things have happened between the last time that we podcasted and today. Uh, some things have yet to happen, and it's been that way for the past couple of weeks, which we'll talk about. Um, and nothing has happened with Eric Carlson as that continues to just absolutely yeah. drag its feet. But the Rangers are involved, so we can't not talk are about they, it. Are they, though? Well, we don't, that's what we'll talk about, Michael. Jesus, you just... Well, there's nothing to talk about is the problem. Anyway, my name is Joe Fortunato. I am your host, joined as always by my co-host, Michael Murphy. Michael? Hi. He says and hi. And Kalen. Kaylin is... And Kaylin Marie Fortunato. Kaylin Marie is right here. Oh, Marie! Kaylin Marie you know, I, Fortunato. I would have known her uh, middle name if you had made me the godfather, like you said you were going to do. You were the godfather. You refused to come to the proceedings. That's not true. It, it, you never responded to my letter that I sent through snail mail. Uh, I never got... Do you even know my address? Yeah, I'm just not going to say it on the radio. No, say um, it on the radio. Say it on the radio. One stupid street, New Jersey, the worst state ever. How was that? Well, it's pretty close to the, yeah, to the no, actual address. No, it's, pretty, it's pretty close to the Truth actual address. Um, hoof. Nemestikov signed a two-year, $4 million cap hit a year deal. Uh, something that I think is actually relatively team-friendly, all things considered. We talked a lot, and I talked a lot, about how the Rangers looked at Nemestikov and Miller and thought that Nemestikov was going to be the cheaper of the two options. Um, A lot of people balked at that claim. They thought that I was just talking out of my anus. And uh, I was very, very right. And I'm curious what... I personally have absolutely no issues with Nemestikov at two years, $8 million. Uh, Anything within the two-year window, they could have given Nemestikov $10 million a year. It doesn't bother me. I think Nemestikov is a good player. I think he brings a lot to the table in terms of somebody with here, Kalen, just cooing. Um, in terms of somebody who <laughs> can do a lot of the little things, and even if Nemestikov only gives you forty points, the going rate for a forty-point player who does all the things you'd want in all three zones is about four million dollars. So, it's for where the Rangers are, and that you and I and everybody who's semi-rational are looking at the next two years as kind of a wash, and, and we'll get to that in regards to, like, Ryan Callahan and Braden Coburn and uh, maybe even Bobby Ryan in a bit, I have absolutely no reservations, no issues, no complaints with this deal. What about you? 
Yeah, I don't take any any issue with it. I, I feel like we must have talked about it last show a little bit, but Vlad's deal is, you know, it is what it is. It's just two years, it's no risk involved, and, you know, early on you got the feeling that between him and Spooner, it was it was Vlad that the front office wanted around more, and obviously he was a part of the the big Miller McDonough package, and you know that is that definitely played a you know played a role in us guessing that yeah he's he's someone the organization likes. What's so interesting to me about this deal is, you know, he will be, you know, he'll be the a ranger for these two years. And then during this time, you know, that fits into this time frame we keep talking about with the rebuild, which is, you know, two or three years or what have you. But at the end of this deal, he will be a UFA. He's 25 now. And there's no, no, no trade clause, no, no movement clause. There's no clauses on the contract. So he's a guy who hopefully will get top six minutes and, you know, as... Each day of free agency, each day of free agency goes by. That looks more and more likely. You play him, you play him in that top six, and then you move him. And that's uh, that's kind of that's kind of what makes the most sense for for moving forward with Vlad. And yeah, like you said, four million a year for two years is fine. It's fine. It certainly sounds like he's going to be moved to the wing, which personally makes a lot of sense just in terms of not wanting to diminish or dilute the center value of Philip Hedl and Leas Anderson, who certainly at this point seem to be locks to make the team out of camp, which I'm not upset about and neither should you be. Um, where Nemestikov kind of makes a big difference is think of him as a more appropriately paid Rick Nash, because that's what the Rangers, the Rangers walked away from in terms of trading Nash and then Nash uh, potentially retiring, which is sad, but good for him and his health. Nash was a three-zone monster, and Nemestikov can be that player. Even without the offense, there were definitely, the underlying numbers are very good for him offensively and what he does for his teammates offensively. So if you move him to the wing, and you think of him as a safety net that you put with a Heedle, maybe, or even an Anderson, and he takes care of things in his own zone, lets the younger kids kind of spread their wings a little bit on offense. Uh, that's uh, That type of a role for him is exactly what the Rangers need. And to get it at two years, to get it at $4 million per, the Rangers have $23 million plus in cap space. Now, that is without a deal for Hayes and Shea, without a deal for O'Gara, um, without a deal for Spooner, without a deal for VC, and without a deal for Gilmore. So I'm writing a story about this, but I think Hayes and Shea will probably be about $11 million combined, uh, maybe on the high end. Hopefully the Rangers are trading Spooner, if not getting him for a, a team-friendly two-year deal. Um, maybe VC comes in at about $2 million and O'Gara goes to the wayside and uh, Gilmore signs for $750,000. you are still talking about $10 million worth of space moving forward in the year, um, depending on what that Spooner deal is. That $10 million is assuming he's traded for cap space, like nothing, prospects, picks, whatever it may be. Um, so there are options for the Rangers to not, not only have these young kids on ECLs, which would be 
Heedle and Anderson make the team and play, but also give them the support that they need to not just be thrown to the wood, Wolves. And I think Nemestikov represents that option for the New York Rangers. The question becomes, with Spooner and Nemestikov, are they in the long-term plans? And I think the answer is pretty clearly no, they are not. And in Nemestikov's case, he signed a two-year deal. We'll see what happens at the end of that deal. He'll be 27 at the end of it. Um, if the Rangers are in contention and they think he's somebody who they could definitely utilize, they'll pay him. More than likely, he'll move on or he'll be traded before that contract comes to fruition, which Mike alluded to before. Um, Spooner is a little bit of an interesting situation. I think we've all kind of realized that Spooner's trade value is never going to be higher, at least from a Ranger standpoint, than it is right now. Um, Carlson and Tavares have kind of dominated the marketplace in terms of trades, and there's really been no, I guess, movement on the trade front with Spooner, and the Rangers very well may end up signing him. I am of the mind that a two-year deal for Spooner, again, doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't... Anything within the two-year window, the Rangers can pretty much do whatever they want. And I I just don't know if there's a real uh, role for Spooner, if you will. Look, he, he brings... A lot to the table in terms of that, that those gut punches of offense. He's a guy who could theoretically put up 50 to 60 points. He's, he's been on that pace before in his career. Um, he's also a guy that, if he's not on his game, is relatively detrimental to things. And that may be a bit of a bigger issue. But for where the Rangers are right now, if there's no market for Spooner, you don't trade him for nothing. You don't just take a deal because you want to get rid of him. You... Sign him and see what happens and see if a deadline team uh, who's in playoff contention or a Stanley Cup contention makes a move for him. And I'm curious, Mike, what your thoughts are on what the Rangers should do with Spooner, who everybody thought was going to be on a different team at this time in the year. And now it looks like he's a lock to start the year on Broadway. Yeah, Spooner is becoming uh, more and more likely that he's going to be here in the lineup. And it, it's been interesting to watch things unfold with you know, it's it, free agency kind of works in waves, right? You see the kind of gold rush happening on July 1st, and then there's kind of uh, the teams that go in and are looking for those bargain deals. They look at what's left in the, you know, the scrap pile. And, you know, we're now, you know, we're now we're a full week and a half after that, you know, a free agency day opening, and the Rangers have really, uh, really not done anything. Um, you know, it's. It's been really quiet, you know. They signed Clayson, and that's pretty much it. Um, other than, of course, the Vlad extension. So, uh, I look at the situation with Spooner as, you know, it it it's a shame they didn't move him to get a pick in the 2018 draft. But there's no use, kind of, you know, boohooing over it because we don't but, know. But do we think? Do we think they didn't? Or do we think there's... I mean, obviously, if the Rangers tried to trade Spooner for, like, a fifth-round pick, that deal would have been on the table. Even probably a fourth-round pick, it would have been on the table. But do we think... I, I, from everything that I've heard and, and all the things that seem to be speculated, the Rangers certainly tried to move Spooner at some point, and maybe even Nemestikov. And the deals just weren't out there because everybody was trigger-shy because of yeah, Tavares. And yeah, and that's out of... That's out of Gordon's hands, and you know that it gums up the works in terms of what the market looks like on both on draft day and you know and for teams that are 
you know, looking for other solutions. And obviously, it's a pretty steep drop from, oh, we can't sign John Tavares, let's let's get Ryan Spooner. But, you know, there is, there is still a lot of worth in Spooner. And I think him signing a one- or two-year deal is not is not a bad thing because an important thing to look at with the Rangers here is especially as we kind of get towards the end of free agency or when there's still you know a couple noteworthy names left is signing these these veteran character guys we've heard so much about or or re-signing a guy like Spooner all these guys can be turned into assets at the next trade deadline and if not this one then the one after that which might be the case with Vlad and you know I, I it's not a particularly exciting thing to look forward to but it, it, you find guys that give you an opportunity to kind of sell high and that's why it's almost like a little bit of a shame with Spooner because like you said his stock couldn't couldn't have been higher than it was this offseason after how strong he finished the year in New York and he's gonna have his work cut out for him really too to kind of duplicate what he was able to do. But, you know, teams teams know what he is. He's been around long enough. He's not going to surprise anyone when he's a little inconsistent or he continues to look one-dimensional. You know, Ryan Spooner is not a secret. So it no, shouldn't but hurt the Rangers. He's certainly not a secret, but he is a, a, like a wild card, if you will, just like uh, Tom was the wild card. It's, it just I'm going to read off some of his stat lines in the NHL from when he he came into the league. Um, nope, Kaylin does Kaylin. not like this idea. She's not Kaylin she's not thrilled with this idea. Swear to goodness, she's, she's just angry. Um, so skipping over his four game debut in the NHL, it was one year and it was four. Eleven points in twenty three games, eighteen points in twenty nine games, forty nine points in eighty games. 39 points in 78 games, and then last year he had, oh boy, 41 points, I'm bad at math, 41 points in 59 games. So if you get that that 60-point pace, which the Rangers had last year with the, the combined totals of the Bruins and the Rangers, when you have that, if you get that 60-point guy, you have a very, very good player on your hockey team. Those guys don't just grow on trees. The problem is, do you have the 39-point Ryan Spooner? You know what I mean? And if you're going to sign a guy to a long-term deal, that's a rough, rough risk to take. Now, just glancing over his stats, he's had some issues staying healthy, but more often than not, he has been on the better side of those numbers, but he probably averages about a 45 to 55-point player. And those are very valuable players in the NHL. They don't just grow on trees, but you are getting sort of a, you know, a, an unknown entity in Spooner. And like Mike said, anything two years or less, I would, th- I would keep Spooner happily for two years. I really would, especially now that we're aware that there's no trade out there. I mean, I would take Spooner two years, $10 million. I really would. For the next two years, I it does not matter to yeah. me. If you give that's, him a $5 yeah, million dollar cap the, hit, so be it. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. The, the only restriction is, you know, if it's a two-year deal and maybe that might limit the number of teams who can take him at, like, you know, the 2019 trade deadline. But even then, it's... You know, it, it, it's not a big obstacle because contracts get prorated, and you know a guy like Spooner is going to have value. So, 
it's and it's you know it's one of these things with the cap space you know people i know i've read a lot of rangers fans on rangers twitter say like you don't have to use this cap space just because you have it but the other thing with this cap space is like you know it's not you don't get like bonus points for for having all like the extra cap space you want extra cap space if you're a a team that's looking to you know add pieces during the season and or like get involved in a trade where you get to bring over a, a guy like an Eric Carlson. And right now, the Rangers need to lock up Kevin Hayes, uh, lock up Brady Shea, and, you know, get VC. If, you know, that was, it was, it, I don't know. I, were you surprised, by the way, Joe? VC didn't get moved. I didn't feel like he was going to get moved. I feel like, you know. I, I was surprised in young, that. but he's uh <clears throat> If I was the general manager, I would have traded VC for sure. If I was Jeff Gordon, VC would have been gone because, again, his value is not going to be higher. Um, I think teams maybe don't understand that VC is basically a third-line player, which is what he's been for the Rangers. I don't know if the Rangers understand that. There's been this talk that, oh, VC is a a Harvard guy who's going to play with this new Viga under Quinn, I, I think we have what VC is. If he scores 20 goals, great. If he puts up 35 points, great. He's, he's Jesper Fast without the defense and with a little bit more of a goal-scoring punch. And that's not a bad thing. I don't want to – I'm not trying to shit on VC here. Believe me, those players go a long Shout way in the playoffs. Him. Having a guy in the second – on your third line who can score 20 goals, they, those guys don't grow on trees either. But VC getting – Really, anything more than $2 million is a serious issue. And when you're looking at that cap space and you're, you're talking about these potential deals that you're trying to save money for and the kind of the – let me answer your question. Am I surprised he wasn't moved? No, because I knew the Rangers – I know the Rangers think they can get more out of him under Quinn. Okay. Um, am I surprised he wasn't moved like me personally? Yes, I would have, I would have absolutely moved him. I think there's probably, there would have been more of a market for him than Spooner and Amestikov, believe it or not. Um, no, I I think here's my, that doesn't surprise me just because he has, he's not too far removed away from being the Hobie Baker, everyone wanted him guy. So, and you know, he's. If you haven't been but watching the, him closely with the Rangers, he's you know who else was that goals, guy? So, who else? Matt was Gilroy that? was that guy, and there is a bit of a difference in that VC was actually drafted and a, and a touted you know. prospect. But Matt Gilroy's doing you know, great in the KHL. I'm sure he is, and he was an Olympian, and that's great, and all those things are wonderful. But there's really three tiers of of players that come out of college, and it's. It's the VCs, which are like, oh, they were kind of mid-round draft picks that kind of erupted onto the scene, and they become VCs. The Gilroys, which are players who are undrafted for whatever reason and kind of dominate in their overage years. And then there's the Hayes, the legitimate first-round talents who are just absolutely dominant and hit the market. And those are really your three NCAA free agents, and the Rangers have had all three over the past decade. And uh, Hayes is certainly the big winner of that group. It's just... I look at VC as a, a great depth option. If they Rangers sign him to a two million dollar cap hit, I have absolutely no issues and and no no problems with that. It's just that I could see VC getting a three million dollar deal from the Rangers, and uh, that would not be very good. That's all. Now, the the one point that I do want to make is I mentioned before, kind of the scenario without Spooner to get to a ten million dollar cap space. 
if you do sign Spooner to a two-year, you know, $10 million deal, now the one thing that you are digging into is not only are you digging into your flexibility, right, the flexibility that the Rangers have to maybe theoretically make a move right away, but you're also talking about losing out on maybe that flexibility for a guy like Panarin, who is potentially on the market next year in free agency, and from everything that we've been told, may have his eyes set on a place like New York to play. And granted, Zuccarello's contract goes away next year, but you have to pay Buchnevich. Um Depending on what the Rangers do, they may have to pay Neil Pionk, Anthony D'Angelo. I don't think they're going to be that expensive. But you are kind of talking about losing some of that that flexibility that you would have to make a move like that. Now, that doesn't become that big of a deal unless you go after a guy like Ryan Callahan, who the Rangers have uh, they're the third wheel, one of the teams on the third wheel for this Carlson, sorry, for this Carlson trade, and Callahan's $5.8 million cap hit for the next two years was talked about coming back to the Rangers to make room for Tampa to sign Carlson to that extension. And Mike, how would you, if you were the general manager, prioritize, uh, would you not give Spooner the deal because you want that money to go after Panarin, who may be a 10 to $11 million man next year, or do you just hope you can make some moves at that point and figure it out there because it's not a guarantee he's even going to make it to the market? If I'm the general manager, I sign Spooner to a one-year deal, um, give him you know signing bonuses, keep him happy, make it worth his while, and do it with the understanding that He's really How big signing. of a deal would that have to be, though, if you're Spooner? Now I'm taking, I'm, I'm changing the teleporter. You're no longer, you're no longer Jeff Gordon. You're now Ryan Spooner. How big of a deal would you have to make to take a one-year deal? I don't know. It's hard for it's hard for me to say just because of where he is at this stage in his career. Is he really looking for his, you know, his make bank contract? I don't think he is. I think. I mean, he would like to, but I think he he understands that he's not quite, you know, an elite player. He's not a first-line player. I'm sure he would like to sign a contract with term, but that's not really in the cards, per se, especially from the team that just signed Nemesnikov to two years. So, yeah, I I don't think it's going to be a huge priority. I don't think he's going to balk at the idea of a one-year deal, and... You know, if he does, then the Rangers can look into what they could get for him. But, like, if it's if it's possible to sign him for one year, I sign him for one year just to keep options open. And, you know, we said before that, you know, the cap space, like, the cap hit doesn't necessarily matter. But it does matter when you think about, okay, well, the Rangers should, they'd be silly not to consider Panarin. Um you know, just as, like, a long-term thing. And I know there might be some people saying, but the rebuild, all you idiots talk about is the rebuild, but... But you get your superstars where you can. You really do, especially those that yeah. are under under 28 years old. Like, he's, he's a legitimate elite winger in the NHL. And we've talked about this before, Joe. The Rangers just have not had that kind of game-changing player in, in terms of a skater. They've had Henrik Lundqvist, but they haven't had that truly elite forward or that truly elite D. And I look at 
you know, for the, for the argument, for the sake of keeping things open, Spooner one-year deal makes the most sense to me. You sign him, you sign him knowing you're going to trade him or knowing that you'd like to trade him, and like that's how you operate. Much like I'm hoping that's the logic behind Zuccarello, unless there is some sort of plan where they keep Zuccarello, they extend him with the understanding that he's the captain and he's going to be here, uh, you know, because he is, you know, the embodiment of what we want these kids to to play like and, and the, the, his passion for the game, what New York means to him, what this, how fans react to him. Like, this is what being a Ranger can be, is, is Matt Zuccarello. And so I look at that as like, okay, if that's your plan, that's all well and good. But if not, then we should go into this season expecting the Rangers to move Zook because it makes so much sense. And like, that's the way I would look at Spooner, although he's far, far more expendable. He just also would bring far, far less in a trade. But with that being said, if, if you're able to play him in that top six role and, you know, we all know he's one dimensional. We all know, you know, what sort of a player he is, but still there's going to be a team, like you said, Joe, a guy like Spooner is still very valuable, especially to a team that wants to add that little bit of depth or that little bit of dimension on a power play or a second power play unit, you know, by the time playoffs roll around and then all of a sudden Spooner can, you know, if the, if you get lucky with a bidding war or what have you, like he could potentially bring a return, not unlike the Grabner return that we saw. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that Spooner is going to turn into something like that. And I feel like, that's that's what I would try to gear towards, or that's where I would steer my ship if I was the, the Rangers GM. But I'm not. I'm not the Rangers GM, Joe. I'm just Mike. I I don't know if I see Spooner taking a one year deal. I, I think he he understands that he's been volatile enough in his career that that might be a problem for him. Um, I don't know if Spooner is going to get a long term deal from the Rangers. I can't imagine he would unless he's taking like a. A five-year, fifteen-million-dollar deal, which he would never accept. Uh, I think he likes playing in New York. His Instagram certainly seems like he likes playing in New York. I think he he had fun last year, despite how bad the Rangers were. Uh, and I, I do think he could be a good fit. And the problem is, these guys aren't morons. Their agents aren't morons. Uh, Nemestikov is no trade protection, which I find surprising because, yeah, you, if you're an agent for Ryan Spooner. And you turn around and you look at the contract offer that the Rangers are making. In the back of my head, I'm thinking to myself, uh, yeah, you're going to try to trade me. So I want a no trade clause so that I can have that protection. And that's the only way that I'm giving you a one-year deal. And that would probably be a deal breaker at that point. Um, Would Spooner take a one-year $7 million deal? Maybe. The Rangers can certainly get creative with where they are right now. Uh, The Ryan – what do you mean? I mean, I know you're being hyperbolic, but like one year, seven million, that's not what Spooner would demand. Like, that's not in the realm of realism. You mean like for what his worth would be? Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree with you. But if you if you're Ryan Spooner, Kane has Spooner projected. But but this is one year, two point six. If you give Spooner one year, you know, three million, whatever, or he goes to arbitration, fine. But he's not – well, okay, actually, you know what? You bring up a really good point that 
I didn't even think of because I'm an idiot. The point that I was trying to make is that Spooner's not taking a one-year deal unless you really entice him to. And without the no-trade clause, you would have to entice him with money. I totally forgot that he opted into arbitration. So he really doesn't have a choice. And it may behoove the Rangers to lowball the hell out of him or semi-meet in the middle or go to arbitration because who cares? And then take the one-year deal and figure it out from there. Um, In fact... Now that I think about this logically, that is probably the play. What's the point of giving him all that money if you're just going to get him to sign a deal with less for arbitration? See, this is good. This is a good back and forth. Um, I am wrong. I am stupid. You know, well, I mean, probably not, but whatever. I'm wrong. I am stupid. I forgot that he was arbitration eligible. But I go back to my original point, which was just that if you want Spooner to take a one-year deal that you theoretically can't force him into, let's assume he, w- he wasn't arbitration eligible – um, the Rangers, like, there would be no, if you sign into a one-year deal worth a lot of money just to get him to take that one-year deal, I don't think there's any, what do you care? The Rangers can do whatever they want, but, um, within that two-year window. But, yes, arbitration definitely changes things. It's a bit more of an issue for v- or Hayes and Shea, because you would like to lock both of them up long-term. Yeah, it's and a different animal altogether. It, yes, this is like Spooner. If they say Spooner, one-year deal, $5 million, which I really don't think arbitration would, I think they'd be more in the high fours. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist was in the high fours, but granted that was back when the salary cap was a much lower number. So even if Spooner comes in at one-year, $5 million, so be it. That's fine. Uh, arbitration would probably land somewhere in the low fours, I would think. The Rangers will probably ask for like three five, and Spooner will probably ask for four five or, you know, five, and see what happens. Um, but that's a one year deal that you can live with, regardless. It's it's V, it's Hayes and and Shea that become the problem. I am personally a fan of. I'm anti bridge deal. I think the Rangers are in the situation they're in with Miller and Hayes because they they gave them both bridge deals two years ago. Hayes is going to be quite a bit more expensive than he would have been if you just would have signed him long-term ter- two years ago. And Shea is coming off his entry-level contract, so you have the chance to avoid that bridge deal. I could certainly see the Rangers trying to lock Shea up for five or six years, if they can, in a Ryan McDonough-esque deal. And I kind of think he would be worth four and a half to you know, the upper the upper levels of $4 million over that term. But I'm curious what your thoughts are, Mike, since you're so much smarter than me. I never said I was smarter than you, but you're a sweet boy. I I think the, the, the folks who are very cautious about over-investing in Shea or getting too excited about him, I understand where they're coming from. Um, the thing that I look at, when I try to analyze or examine what the Rangers have in Shea, it gets really tricky. He was so he was so good and really, in many ways, underrated for what he did as a rookie. And then this past season, you know, he was part of just an absolute, you know, pile of garbage in terms of the Rangers' defense and defensive structure. And of everyone, really, you know, n- no one came out of that smelling like roses, but Shea... Shea definitely saw, like, he felt the pressure, especially in that final 19 games when, you know, (laughs) Vigneault just leaned on him until, you know, he broke again and again and again. And, you know, in in many ways, it sounds bizarre, but that could work in the Rangers' favor if they 
try to, if they entertain the idea of signing him to something like, you know, a McDonough deal or uh, like a Roman Yossi-esque kind of deal where you invest in a guy early feeling confident in what you have. And I, Shea is, to me, he, he's, he can, he's really big. I always forget how big he is. He can skate. Uh, you know, he's, he's still, some aspects of his game are still rough, Joe. But those are all, you know, the question becomes what what are you hoping to avoid? Or, like, what's the best case scenario? And furthermore, it's like, all right, well, what's the worst case scenario? What, what kind of mistake can the Rangers make by maybe approaching him with, like, you know, a four- or five-year deal today as opposed to a bridge deal? And how much might that cost them in the future? And I tend to lean towards signing him to a longer-term deal now, even with the chaos of last year. Because I remember you and I talked about Shea previously, actually, and and you said in many ways it's it's kind of best to look at last season and just kind of throw it out, I think is what you said. And, like, I look at them like, yeah, you know, it kind of is. And But, like, we don't have to throw out everything. We don't have to throw out cover Kalen's ears. We don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Like, we can still Kalen take... Kalen is gone. S- Okay, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Um, I threw her out with the bathwater. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, we can still take some aspects of what happened last season and kind of factor it in. And, you know, when he was on his game, he looked really good. But he also looked a lot like, you know, a really young defenseman uh, who's had a lot of expectations surrounding him. Um, especially with the play of the Rangers captain last season, how rough that looked with the Brendan Smith debacle and everything else. Like, Brady Shea was kind of behind, like, he was sledding uphill, like, really early last season. It just, it didn't become a real storyline until later in the year. And I I don't hate the idea of giving him that four or five year deal right now. It, it does make me anxious, but like much like you i i get squeamish with the bridge deal every time um and it's because of situations like this where we're where we are right now with kevin hayes where we're trying to decide you know just how much this this kid can be worth or it should be worth and you know we want kevin hayes here uh, to be kind of a an you know a veteran guy who can be here for when this this rebuild is over and you know, it's hard to develop centers, and they've kind of developed a center with Kevin Hayes. But it's also really, really hard to develop, you know, a top 4D, and that's what Brady Shea is. You know, I think the jury is out on whether he can be a top pairing D. I think it's more likely he's that second pairing guy, but a second pairing guy who can skate like the wind with great size and offensive upside, is they're still worth a lot. They're very valuable to have. But you need to take a risk eventually. The the way that you get into this type of trouble and the trouble oh, that the Rangers got into. Finish your, finish your thought, but I have a question. For no, you. no, go ahead. If it's that good that you're just going to moan your way into the into the statement. I'm sorry. Please, by um, all means. Do you perhaps lean, if you're Gordon, do you consider, it, it's tricky because it's the contract game, right? It's And it's hard without having that right in front of our faces. But do you kind of play things more cautious with Shane, knowing two things? One, he plays the left side, right? 
and two, you have a full stable of young D who all play the left side pretty much. Like, do you look at that as a reason maybe not to invest or not to jump or rush to a con- rush to sign him now um, and make the bridge deal? Like, oh, you know, if if this means we have to pay you know, a little bit of a, like, you know, a little extra to, to sign him to the deal we maybe should have signed him to two years ago, uh, so be it. But there's also the understanding that there's all these kids, and I don't think the organization is looking at Brady Shea as, like, a stopgap, you know what I mean, for to fill to fill things out. But I also think in many ways this is, like, this is, rebuild also very much means evaluation time. They want to know what they have, and that might mean Shea gets the bridge deal as opposed to the the McDonough deal. Yeah, I mean, my I would not look at it that way because when you okay. look at it that if way, you're, Gordon, you're, you're you No, because let me ask you this question. You sign mm-hmm. Shea to a 2-year deal, okay? 3 million a year. Let's say it's something super team friendly because it's a bridge deal. Yeah. 2-year um, 2.9, sure. This year and next year he posts 45 points. Or 40 points, like he did his freshman year in the NHL. You're now looking at, with a consistent offensive output, a $6 million defenseman pretty easily with the way that the pretty current, you know, much, yeah. the way that the current payouts are going. I think if you try to lock up Shea long term right now, you can get him on the lower end of the fours to maybe 4.5. And it might not seem like like a lot of money, but when you're theoretically spending $11 million on Panarin and you're going after other players who you want, you, you lose the rebuild tag and you start going for it again. You need those extra dollars. And Miller, you know, look at how expensive he was. Look at how expensive Hayes is going to be. Hayes, long term, probably would have been a four and a half million dollar guy two years ago, maybe less. And the Rangers gave him a bridge deal. And now he's going to potentially be a six million dollar guy. You need to take the risk somewhere. The Rangers didn't take the risk for so long. It was only McDonough that they stepped up and they said, we're not going to give him a bridge deal. We're going we're gonna to sign him to a long-term contract. And that ended up being one of the best contracts Sather had. Chris Kreider got, the Rangers got, and Matt Zuccarello, the Rangers got for very, very team-friendly totals off a bridge deal. Stepan was more expensive. Stahl was more expensive. Hayes is going to be more expensive. Miller would have been more expensive. You, you, you don't mess with talent. And that's pretty much what the Rangers have done. Those show-me contracts only give you that temporary cap relief for the two years of the bridge. And then it, be- then it becomes a serious problem because then you need to pay a kid. And I think the Rangers can avoid that with Shea. And I think they could avoid that with Buchnevich too. I'm not, I, I, would, I would absolutely lock him up long-term right now, even though he's not at the last year of his entry-level contract. Because I think he's another one that's just going to be more expensive. But... Yeah, I don't I don't factor in the left and right side at all. That does not bother me. If you have a okay. quality defenseman, you can move him if you have to. You can move things around. And right now, Shea is ticketed for the Rangers top four. So it is what it is. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think you would. It just it occurred to me as like an interesting thought, right? Like how and it really comes from the place of how I'm how I perceive you know how how does the front office look at Shea right now, especially after last season, and, like, how the hell do you evaluate a sophomore NHL defenseman who was put in his position last season? And 
you know, it, it's really, it's really a shame because he he did have such a brilliant rookie year, but now you you have this scenario where it's like, oh well, we're also looking at how expensive Kevin Hayes is, so it's this reminder of like, yeah, there is a cost to bridge deals, and like there are examples of teams that sign a guy you know, sign an RFA before the bridge deal and, and, and it burns them. But I don't think, like, even if all things go really poorly and Brady Shea doesn't really develop, right? Like, for a cap hit of, like, 4.1 million or 4.2 or something like that to have him locked up, I don't see that... Because I just don't see him being, like, a detriment. Like, he's not a Brooks Orpik kind yeah, of Yeah, you're not... You're, right, you're you're... You you have what you have, and maybe you're overpaying a little bit, but that's that's the risk that you take. Yeah, it's a tricky thing, but that risk also results in contracts like the McDonough contract, or for example, the contract that uh, John Tavares was on. Like you pay you pay now a smaller amount. Um, sh- you tell the guy like, listen, you don't have to wait another two years to get paid. You can get paid, you know, next year. It just, you know, they they have to weigh whether or not that's, you know, that's better than getting, you know, their huge contract, you know, in the final year of their restricted free agency. And, you know, or when they're just becoming an unrestricted free agent like Tavares did. But I look at at the Shea situation as like, this is is a, a good kind of gamble to make. This is a good horse to bet on. And I say that even... Even if he never becomes a first pair defenseman, because I think most people balk at the idea of like, oh, investing in someone who's not a first pairing defenseman. Okay, okay, but let's let's talk about what Brady Shea is. He's not like a specialist kind of guy. He's not a guy who's like, oh, he's just very good on the power play, and he's garbage at even strength. That's not what Brady Shea is. He's he has all the tools you need. He's already shown at times to play really exceptional, really really exceptional hockey and. What sort of consistency has he had with his defensive partners, especially this last season? Like we, we, he's really dealt a kind of crappy hand. So I, I'm, I'm definitely of the mind that you, you take you take the swing now, and if it turns out to be a terrible idea, so be it. Like the Rangers are in a position where a lot of cap is going to open up, especially three years from now. Three years from now, Joe, Shattenkirk, Stahl. Brendan Smith, Hank, all coming off the books, 2021. Um, so if you have a contract like a Brady Shea, and maybe he's getting a little overpaid, it's not. It's not. A, it's not the sort of mistake like the Mark Stahl mistake was. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 a far lesser evil, and with far 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 more upside. Yeah, you you have to. Shea is a defenseman for the modern game. Is is the way yeah, I you have to him. take he's, risks. A good skater. He's the guy you want. Just, I fully agree with you. You have to take risks. Him, Buchnevich, uh, for me, it would have been Hayes. Like VC, give a bridge deal to because you're not. He's not going to be more expensive in two years. And if he is, it's an absolute shock. I mean, he's 25 and, now. Yeah, and if, so, I don't know, yeah, I don't see VC becoming anything more than a third-line winger, and you know what, if he does, then I still think you made the right decision by playing him slow, because 
he's given really no indication that he's anything other than like a, a grinding big like developing power forward but the problem with that is like they're not necessarily you know a great fit in in the modern game like how many elite power forwards are there in the NHL right now like they they kind of don't exist anymore that's not how yeah it's a, it's a different game and the yeah. ones that do exist are generally you know the on the better end of their craft because they have all of the they're skilled and big which is a little bit more i guess rare in in terms of the way that that yeah. people of that like Milan Lucic is not he's a power forward only in like the sense of the word you yeah, know what yeah. i mean like that's what he was do, yeah. before before he just turned around and got old because that's what happens when you get old so I, I just uh, and VC's like Kreider. Kreider's yeah. kind of a power forward. Hayes is kind a of a power forward. They're not necessarily your prototypical, you know, Todd Bertuzzi power forwards, but they're bigger guys who can throw their weight around, who can get to those tougher areas of the ice to score goals. And the Rangers have two of them. One of them is very well paid. Kreider is very well paid. We will see what Hayes is. Crowder's also a UFA after uh, soon enough. Two more yeah, years. Doesn't, so. that, doesn't that feel weird? It, He's not going to be around it, for the rebuild, Joe. It definitely feels weird. Hundred percent. I still um, think Crowder is a sweet little boy. Well, that's this is where like I'm getting older. I have a kid now. I'm turning thirty soon. Um, sure. Like I'm old, and uh, I for the really the first time in my life, and it was such an awful feeling. Uh, I looked like up and down. I was talking about Shattenkirk to somebody, and I was like, "Oh, Shattenkirk's still young. He's a kid." And they were like, "Uh, he's 29." And I'm like, "Uh, I'm 29. What have I done with my life?" That's like <laughs> Hayes is 26, and I'm like, "Oh, he's, I guess he's on like the older side of that." Yeah, well, I'm, he's three years younger than me, so, um, yeah, that's sad and depressing. Uh, okay, last topic before we get to questions, Mike. The Joe. New York Rangers are on a date. In McDonald's, because that's where Ottawa takes their dates out on. And they are the third wheel in these supposed Eric Carlson rumors. How do you feel about what's going on? First of all, let me just say this. Before we get into anything, just do something. Honestly, do something. And that's to everybody involved. The senators, like, you're in a bad situation of your own doing. I don't care. Like, I have things to do. I have a blog to run. We're sitting here waiting for you write, because now we're involved. I have to write a story you, about the Rangers signing a backup or AHL goalie. And yeah, well, you dragged us into about, this. Folks. You dragged us into this. I want you to know that. You, the Ottawa Senators, dragged us into this. We didn't have to be here, but we're here. And now we have to deal with this because of you. So do something. But that said... What are your thoughts on a potential Ryan Callahan reunion in New York? Not necessarily Callahan himself, but the Rangers being a little bit more of a garbagey dump team to make this deal go through for Tampa. You know, you know what the answer is. It all depends on what the return, the, the sweet, you know, sweet how, return. How they how they grease the the wheels? You know, you, grease you gotta, those wheels. I want I want some cheese. Give us some sweet cheese, and Callie is a fun, would be a fun reunion. But if his contract gets in the way of something like, uh, you know, a Panarin deal, it really shouldn't though. Even if you know the Hayes and and Shea, like, 
I I highly doubt it's going to be an obstacle, especially if the Rangers do, you know, kind of bite the bullet. It could, and that's the part where I do have my reservations, and that's why they need to proceed with caution with what they do with Spooner, and they also need to have a serious internal discussion about what Zuccarello's fate is, because remember, he's a UFA at the end of next season. And if we're talking about Panarin or another another kind of, you know, a guy, like you said, you can't pass up on those opportunities to add those franchise players. And we're talking about, if we're talking about contracts that come off the books, you know, next, after this upcoming season, it's, you know, it, it's Zook and then Booch needs his new contract. And that's it. Like, Zuccarello's $4.5 million is the real cap relief. Um well, and technically and be, Spooner, too, if, if he does go to arbitration yeah, and gets if, a one-year deal. Yeah, if, yeah, and that's that's the other part of After you made me look like, stupid. No, don't don't say that about yourself, baby. Um, I I don't I don't hate at all the idea of Callahan, uh, but my, you know, I have I have a Callahan jersey that's going to look like less of a bad idea if it happens. But there's also like it's a. I always wonder about this stuff. Like, what exactly is the, this conversation we've heard so much about character, work ethic, all this crap? And like, okay, Ryan Callahan is definitely a guy of that ilk, right? He's Mister Work Ethic. He's Mister Works His Ass Off. So he he's got to be the guy they like. Bring back a captain. This team needs a captain. You know, it, it's the story writes itself. With all that being said. He, if the Rangers do themselves any kind of justice, they should not in any way talk to Dallas. I'm sorry, Tampa. Although Dallas is going to get brought up in a minute. Should not talk in any way to Tampa and Ottawa like getting Callahan is like a boon to them. Like it's part of the assets that they need prospects and picks. And especially picks. Um, the problem is Ottawa doesn't have any picks to really give up and the Rangers already have <laughs> some, some picks of Tampa so it's it's definitely a little murky of like what exactly can the Rangers get in this that will make it worth their while because there is the potential that Callahan's contract becomes an obstacle of course the other thing I was going to say just you know just to put all the cards on the table is it's starting to feel and look like Dallas is going to be where Carlson ends up if he does get moved, which seems crazy that it's now become this, if Carlson does get moved, it'll be to Dallas now, just because this seemed like it was the reason, in case you you folks haven't been on Twitter or have been following along with the news, like this sounded like it was a done deal, like three, three or four days and like three or four days ago for like 48 straight hours everyone was just waiting for the like the final trade call to go through and the rangers were supposedly the third wheel in this deal and you know they kind of had to be to make everything work with tampa's you know uh salary in, in yeah. uh, salary cap so it's crazy that this is dragged on this long if if eric carlson starts next season in ottawa joe I'm going to be booing the senators. I'm already booing the senators, but I'm going to be booing them extra more. 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 There's no way. There, there's no. There's no way he could be on the team. I, I and you know what? I say that the only organization that that could theoretically happen with is the Ottawa Senators. So. Is the Ottawa Senators? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? That's just. It's but they a different, can't. It's, they can't let him walk for nothing after seeing what happened to the Islanders. 
they, no, but that's why they have to trade him for diminishing returns. I mean, they don't. Yeah. That, that's one of the. They don't really have a choice at this point. And, and one of the main issues that that comes up in a situation like this is everybody knows the the situation that the senators are in. Like, if if your neighbor was selling a car, right, mm-hmm. and you knew he was selling the car because he was going to be short on the mortgage and he was going to get evicted, nobody would offer him his asking price on the car. Well, You'd geez, offer fifty percent. Or 60%. Let's assume your you neighbor's your, a jerk. This way it's you better. Your, your neighbor's neighbor a jerk. Job. He's a bad person. He kicks puppies. He, he kicks puppies. You know, so no team is going to go in with a real offer. Like if I'm Jeff Gordon and I'm walking into that room to, to have that conversation, right, about uh, about a potential Carlson deal, I'm telling them you're not getting Buchnevich, Shea, none of them. You can have, you know, maybe Sean Day and we'll come up with a package around, you know, Jimmy VC and something else stupid because they're in a situation where, yeah, they're going to say no, but eventually they're going to break. And will it end up being, you know, Hayes and a good prospect and maybe a first-round pick? Yeah, but that's a hell of a lot better than what it would be if this was a normal franchise in a normal situation. And here's the other flip side that just came out today. Part of this, part of the holdup, if you will, is Carlson now may not be ready to sign an extension right away. And if I'm a team that's going to give up assets, even if it's a B-level package for a guy like Carlson, I am not doing that deal unless I am absolutely 100% getting a, a long-term extension. And it doesn't seem like that's possible right now. So... It's just there's a there's a lot to this, and I think for the New York Rangers, they're kind of playing a waiting game because Gordon is just sort of sitting there like, hey, you know, call me when something is getting close because what else can he do? He can't do anything. He's just waiting. He's not an active party in this trade, and that's fine too because let me tell you something. If the Tampa – and there there is something that needs to be said. The Rangers get – Tampa's first-round pick this year if they win the Cup this year. So there is a reason why the Rangers should be able to help the Tampa Bay Lightning without any real concerns. But having said that, the Rangers need to get something relatively substantial back for Ryan Callahan if they take on Callahan because the Lightning desperately need the cap space. So if the Lightning are going to lowball the hell out of Ottawa because they know, right, they know Ottawa's situation... Jeff Gordon needs to do the exact same thing to the auto, or to the Tampa Bay Lightning because again he knows the situation. So I, I I do think that makes a pretty big difference, and I do think that's something that the Rangers are kind of they're sitting on right now. Um, I, I just I don't know you know a what the return will be and b I don't know what the Rangers what the be all end all is going to end up being. Are the Rangers interested in taking part of Ryan? Is Ottawa going to give a huge asset to get rid of Ryan? There's a, You know what I mean? There's questions to ask here. And we don't know the answers until they know the answers. So that's unfortunately where we are right now. Um, I would like Callahan back. I wouldn't have any issues with that. I have no issues with the Rangers, uh, again, thinking, hey, listen, this is, you know, this is a guy that we need to go after. And, and this is somebody that we want to... Uh, that we want to bring in for leadership purposes because, again, you're talking about a guy who can help 
Yes, he's overpaid, but just like if you the Rangers used Girardi as a third pairing defenseman, yes, he would be overpaid, but the the gripe about Girardi would certainly not be what it ended up being, where he became this just vilified figure in New York. Um that, I think, is a, a pretty big difference in terms of where the Rangers could have been and where Vigneault, unfortunately, you know, made a, a large issue out of something that didn't need to be. So if Callahan's getting overpaid, but he's being used as a fourth-line player or a third-line player, so be it. It is what it is. It's not that big of a deal. Um, and I, I think that ends up being overlooked at times when people are thinking about it. But, like we talked about, the Rangers certainly need to think about Panarin and the potential of having a guy like Panarin on the team. And, you know, almost uh, pretty much anything else that they could think of at this point. Because, like I said, there's a, a lot to this. There's a lot of moving pieces. And if the Rangers end up missing on Panarin because they happen to be... they just brought in Callahan and they brought in, you know, whatever else and they signed Spooner and whatever, then they're going to look like idiots and none of us would like that. So that's just, that's my two cents How on the matter. How fun would Panarin and Booch be? How fun it, would that be? It would be super fun. You have no idea how much fun. It would be the most fun ever. Um, so yeah, there, that's that. Questions. We got some Questions. You ready for these questions, Mike? I'm ready-ish. Ready-ish. Yeah. Okay, question number uno. See, I don't want to take some people. Shana used bantering points as the thing for your mailbag, and now I don't want to I don't want to steal Shana. those questions. So. Hockey stat miner, agree or disagree? If you don't trade one of Hayes, Nemestikov, or Spooner, or Zibanejad, you probably have to start one of Anderson or Heedle in the AHL. If all six centers make the roster, what kinds of lines are we talking about here? Disagree. Because if the Rangers sign all of them, Nemestikov and Spooner get moved to the wing, Hedl becomes your third-line center, Anderson becomes your fourth-line center. And while that's not ideal, if Quinn does roll four lines, I, I see the value of having Anderson kind of figure things out. And, you know, you can move him up and down the lineup as needed, and maybe he gets third-line center roles some games and whatnot. Um, I, I do think Anderson is ready for the NHL. I do think Anderson is somebody who... Uh, maybe needs to learn a little bit, but should at least be capable of figuring things out at the NHL level. And yeah, that's that's pretty much where I am uh, on that. I think that end will, like we've talked about, that may end up being the, the situation as is. Because yeah, the Rangers are they're definitely definitely in a bit of a pickle, if you will. Michael, your thoughts? Depends a lot on what that fourth line looks like. Um, whether or not this team. This front office makes another kind of goofy decision. Uh, we saw them kind of saved from, saved from their own machinations with Ryan Reeves and, you know, a couple other guys who are kind of, you know, similar similar to a formula we've seen played out too many times in New York. Uh, this urge to add uh, toughness over, over competent two-way play in in the fourth line role. Um, if if the fourth line is full of guys who are like kind of cur- you know projected to be you know, third line guys and some younger guys or maybe an established guy who comes in, then I really don't have as much issue with uh, Leas there. I still I still get anxious about it, but I there is something to be said, I think, about the state of the wolf pack and 
what the hell is gonna what the hell Hartford's gonna look like next season because it, it is also going to go through a lot of changes because we're expecting a lot of these these kids to end up in the AHL and so you know I I I wouldn't hate the idea of Leas being there as kind of the cream of the crop and given the opportunity to really establish himself with that being said like you I also think he's kind of he's ready for the NHL um, and I, I'd like to see him in the lineup if that means like you know fourth line minutes then so be it especially because you can you can very comfortably say all right uh Leas we're gonna move you up to you know play second line on the wing this game and you know put Spooner on the fourth line because Spooner's the kind of guy you put on the fourth line without any you don't worry about anything so yeah like there's a lot of flexibility in what this this roster is going to look like and I definitely don't I definitely don't get I'm not getting too worked up about the little things like this it's we have a coach who knows how to develop young players he knows how to work with guys I really don't think that Quinn is going to take Leas Anderson, stick him on the fourth line, and leave him there to rot and not let him develop his game. That just yeah. from everything we've heard, that just that's not what's going to happen. So he may be this forced doesn't make me as to, nervous as it did a little while ago. He may be forced to play Anderson on the fourth line. That that may be a reality. Um, yeah, that's, it's but just I that, don't think it's going to be a, a no. It's not going to be the Vigneault style. Yes, yes, it's not going to be exactly. the Vigneault style. You're going to get five minutes a night maybe and maybe some penalty kill time, you know, whatever. It's certainly, it's not going to be like that. Um, I, th- of all of the players who could theoretically go to um, go to Hartford, it's Anderson. You know what I mean? It, it's not It's not Heedl. Heedl's shown too much skill. I, I do think there's something to be said for Anderson potentially benefiting from... You know, being a guy who plays top line minutes and is the guy in Hartford, but it, it, it's not going to be Heedle. It, it's going to be Anderson, and that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It's just that's the situation that it is right now. Yeah, it's not a Michael Silver's of of Anderson's game. It's more like I feel like you and I both agree on Heedle can be a top six, top nine guy next season without much issue, especially yeah, I would think if so. that's what the organization wants him to be. Whereas Anderson, we know he's, you know, a middle six kind of center, and that's okay. And maybe what he needs more than anything is to work on his two-way game, and seeing a whole bunch of minutes in Hartford might be the best way to do that. That doesn't mean he's a bust. That doesn't mean any of that stuff. Right. There's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with the situation that Anderson is in with the New York Rangers, especially if he goes to the AHL. It's, it's perfectly fine for a 19-year-old to have to spend that time in the minors. Uh, anybody who tells you otherwise is out of their mind. It, it has nothing to do with Anderson's growth or his ceiling or anything. It's just it's a numbers game. And Heedl was always going to be the player who had the higher upside. That, that's never been a question. So... You know, with that in mind, you just need to realize that that's the situation, and he's a guy who's maybe more ready for the NHL right now than, um, you know, than Anderson would have been, or would be. But again, we may not we may not end up answering that question right now. We may not end up answering that question this year. Uh, Anderson we very well may, right. That's it's, we got to figure this stuff out, and that's the whole that's the whole purpose. Uh, Michael Silvers. 
still a ton of time between now and the start of the season, and roster construction certainly isn't complete. But at this time, what do you think is a realistic win-loss projection for next season? Oh boy, Michael. I'm going to say 30 wins I think would be realistic. Oh, God. Um... 30 wins? Yeah, I think the Rangers are, are probably a 75 to 80 point team. I don't think the Rangers are bad enough to really get into like the Hughes game. Um, I don't think the Rangers are, are good enough to get into the playoff game, but I do think the Rangers are I kind of right a, there. And They could be a lottery team. I'm just not uh, sure. See, here's the, the, here's the real question with that. They okay. may be a lottery team. But if they're a lottery team, it's because of how bad their defense is. Because especially if they keep Spooner, they're going to have a relatively solid forward group, top to bottom. They really will, yeah. So that's the question. The question becomes, are you you looking at this group and saying to yourself, well, hoof, I don't think that defense is going to be able to handle it. Let's start here, Joe. The Rangers last season... Went 34-39-9. And I... They don't do that. Like, do they finish... It's... It, there's only... What is it? In the, in the Eastern Conference, there were only two teams that finished south of 70 points. That was Ottawa and Buffalo. Okay? So, I don't feel like the Rangers are going to be a bottom three team in the east if that makes sense like that's the way i'm trying to look at this i think ottawa is going to be a shit show uh i i you know islanders fans cover your ears i don't think you're listening anyway but i think it's going to be a nightmare for the islanders and like you said uh, the rangers if everything goes smoothly with with the hayes signing and 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 getting Spooner back and, you know, you have these kids who are ready and there's, you know, you have a healthy Kevin Chattenkirk and all this other crap. Like, yeah, there's no more Ryan McDonough, but the defense is really the only weakness. Like, Georgiev looks pretty great as a backup op- option. Hank is still Hank. You know, he's just a little little rustier. You know, yeah, they're not going to be... not as quick. They're not going to be like, awful. You know, they're just not going to be good. No. I think, like, 70... 72 points is within reason like around that neighborhood it's just a question of you know what i feel like a a big part of this is going to be what they look like coming out of the gate because this this team was very different like obviously at the tail end of last season and you know whatever there's there's just enough elements of familiarity, especially with like KZB and and things like that, where it's like it's going to be hard for them to be awful because of the potential and how how many forwards they have in their prime and young guys who are coming up where they can they can score goals. They will be able to score goals. It's just the what are the what the hell the defense is going to be. So yeah, yeah I've been right now in it's circles. Shattenkirk, Shea, and 72, Smith. Seventy-three points. Yeah, it's not. That's yeah. I'm in. I'm in that that field too. I don't think looking at the raw win loss makes sense just from a point standpoint. But um, yeah, that's definitely. I think that's definitely something that the Rangers would need to take into consideration. Is just, and I think it's something that they have at least talked about. The fact that they're not 
good enough to be bad. You know, or they're not bad enough to be truly bad. You know what I mean? And it's and, but it's a another little factor. You know, Quinn new systems maybe maybe that causes them to to kind of flop around for a little bit, like a fish out of water trying to find their yeah, game. That's but absolutely fair. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question, though. I I I still feel like low seventies point range is is right on the money. Fair. They yeah. will be, in my opinion, in the lottery race. It's just a question of. Especially if they end up being like big sellers at the de- at the deadline, which in my brain that makes a lot of sense. So we'll have to see what happens. They're going to be better than the Islanders. I'll tell you that. John Alou, I have the New York Rangers finishing toward the bottom of the league next year. I'm thinking possibly as low as five. I don't think any lower than that. We kind of discussed that. Um, mm-hmm. But he has another question. Where do you see the Rangers finishing? Do you have them as a bubble team? No, we kind of we kind of answered that question, John. I like when that happens, actually, because it means that we're at the very least talking about the things that the people want to know. you don't read ahead. You don't read the questions before the show. I do not read the questions ahead. I The questions come in, and I read them. That's the way that it goes. So take that. Uh, Jake Lester, who do you think leads the team in points next season? Ooh, that is a very, very good question. Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a crazy one. You ready for this? Okay. You're not answering. Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah, I was actually thinking Shattenkirk too. I still, it's a, I for me. It's Shattenkirk or Buchnevich. I really I believe that. I think it's a Benajad. Ooh, Zmanichad's not a bad choice. I actually think Hayes is going to explode, too. There's definitely there's a lot of good answers there. I think if if you're Hayes, Buchnevich, Zibanejad, Shattenkirk, you can't go wrong with any of those guys. You can sprinkle Zuccarello in there, too, but Zuccarello is definitely more of a goal... Like, he's more of an assist guy, so he's not... If he's not scoring the goals, his point production depends on whether or not the other guys are scoring, so it definitely makes things a little bit more difficult. But, yes, that is my... That is my absolute take on that matter. Um, let's see. Ryan Mead. Ryan Mead is the guy who is half of Blue Shirts Breakaway, who is doing the forum with me and Michael and the uh, Garden Faithful guys, Fitz and Woj. So, Woj? Woj, sorry. Um, so, his question, Mike, is sup. Nothing much, you? No, nothing much me either. Yeah. Thanks, I, uh, Ryan. Thanks for caring about what we are. I eat pizza today. Uh, oh, what did you, you know do for what? lunch? I, I Mike found, walked. I, I found a mysterious USB drive on the street. And uh, it's just sitting on my printer right now. But I feel like if huh. I put it into my computer, it's going to be viruses. Or porn. Or porn. Or porn of the not legal kind. Yeah, it definitely could be. Or it's full of Bitcoin. Or yeah. it's full of Bitcoin. So it could be. You have no idea. I would look at that if I were you. I would go to like a... Do they still have like internet cafes or is that a thing of the past? It's got to be a thing uh, of the past, right? I was going to say I could go to the public library and use I, Library was my next... See, this is why we're friends. But library was my very seems- next choice. That seems rude to the library. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe if because at least that in that way, if it's porn, you don't have to explain anything. You just rip it out and smash it with your foot and run away. 
Yeah, or just pour gasoline everywhere. Right, and, and that's just your that's that's your new thing. Yeah. You become you just and become it's, a gasoline man. It's mostly man. books. That place is going to go up like a library. Yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. John J. Porter, Anthony Viola, Alex Gardner, John Reppy. Excuse me, coughed. Johnny Lowe, Alexander Ricard, Robert Courtney, Guy from Montana, Daniel DeGem, Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, 50, Tall Guy Robert, Fancy Lawrence, Matt Keith Franchillo, Andre Chicagoff, Chris Habibi, Danny Santiago, Gabriel Vargas, James Chris Dangles, Habibi. David L. Singer, Grumpy, Smokey, Mike Offit, Chris B., Bob Callis, Stink Fleeman, Arch Williams, Igor Zatlovsky, Zachary Zetlin, Dan Carosi, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempner, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all for donating. One of you is going to win the hashtag glove challenge, which I have yet to start, but I, I'm going to do it, it this Joe. week. Um, I know. You, I'm you, gonna mail, you just attacked I'm gonna me. Mail. I'm going to mail you my glove. That way the listener can get the pair together in the mail. They could at least get half of a glove in that circumstance. Oh, because you haven't started yours. Uh, My glove is a left-handed glove. Okay. So I have to make make a right-handed glove. Yeah. Okay, I could do that. I mean, it's kind of... It could go both ways, but I prefer it to be the left-handed glove. That's what she said. All right. Um, thank you all for listening. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. The forum, I don't know if we gave a date. It's going to be August 25th. We still don't have the location locked down. I mean, we know where it's going to be. We're just waiting on confirmation. So we will tell you that as soon as we have it. You should come. It's on the Eastern I believe, Seaboard. Yeah, there is a price tag to get in. Um, the price tag includes alcohol, though, like a drink. So um, that helps. And it helps make where a lot of people are traveling Joe, to this. And you can come Joe meet me and Mike. for all your drinks. I think Shane is going to be there, I believe. I think Tom may may join as well. So These are um, friends of ours who said they these, would go. That doesn't mean they'll show up. But they're, they're trustworthy people. All right, Mike is a whale, a, a baleen whale. and um, Oh, baleen whale. Joe out.